Welcome back for Traffic and Weather. The most breaking news is that Gate 27 is down, meaning that if you're trying to get anywhere from the end of Arm 3 to Arm 4, you're going to have to take a pretty severe detour. Besides that, most of traffic is doing on nicely, as the stellar bances have finally finished. For weather, there are meteor showers that are passing through Arm 2, and in Arm 3, a star might be going supernova? We don't know yet. We'll keep you updated, but for those who this might concern, don't worry. It'll become an actual event in a couple of centuries. Now, on with the show. <clears throat> I'm dying. Don't die. Uh, I will die. I will die one day. You Personal will be left alone because Lord knows that you're going to live longer than I am. I'm begging you to not do that, all right? I'm, I, I'm, I'm eating healthy and exercising. You need to do the same thing. <laughs> I'm going to. Uh, so... <clears throat> It's the new year. Uh, if anyone is wondering why I'm coughing so much, it's because I'm ill. But nothing will heed the progress of recording. It's the new year. It's it's actually the day after the new year. So happy new year when this episode airs. Uh, and I don't really have any like New Year's stories or memorabilia or anything like that. Uh, I do remember hosting LAN parties, which was incredibly fun. I'm pretty sure you were invited to them, right? I was, in fact, invited to them. It was a good time. Yeah, freaking... So here, here's the rundown on how that would normally go. Uh, we have this house that's... It's not necessarily... I wouldn't call it big, but the rooms in it are big. So it's like a few rooms, but all of the rooms are huge. So we would host a... Of course, Halo, because what other game are you going to be playing that is quality and you can have a lot of fun with? We'd host a Halo LAN party. For those of you who aren't in the know, LAN, local access network, meaning that it's all local rather than being all online, and then you play in different houses. That's just boring and not fun. Whereas if you can scream at someone from another room, that's like way more entertaining. But uh, we'd have an Xbox in just about every room and sometimes two in one room. And this layout would be that no matter where you were walking, unless you were in the kitchen, the only place that you can't put an Xbox and a TV, there was an Xbox. And so, essentially, no matter where you went, you would be followed by these screens and a bunch of people holding controllers. Great, fun time. Uh, and it normally devolved into a lot of screaming until about 10 o'clock where we were told to shut up. But, uh, imagine it's, it's New Year's, right? You got all your friends together, you're in a home, and the one thing that you have from every person is uh, you must bring an Xbox, your own controller, or a TV. And then, of course, chaos ensues because you wind up with like five TVs and like three Xboxes. And no one has brought their own controller because everyone brought an Xbox. And, uh, and then you sit down, finally wrap it up. It's like an hour later. By that time, of course, your one uh, skinny fat friend, I call him skinny fat because he's somehow skinny even though he eats that much, has already eaten an entire bag of potato chips. Another buddy is playing Siamese Twin with another guy on uh, Dark Souls 1, and you're sitting there bending over trying to figure out where the outlet is. And then finally you get together and play Halo, and it's of course the greatest time that you could ever have because you have remembered to, on every single one of these, or at least on the host console, download the Fat Kid uh, and Fat Kid Stadium subtype of uh, infection and then everyone gets bored of Halo and you wind up playing different games and all of the different things uh, and then I miss eventually Ball. until you play Fortnite I love Griffball Griffball was so much fun <laughs> the fat kid was stupid though and I love it I love it for its stupidity hey, <laughs> you want to explain fat kid now w was, was I the skinny fat kid I can't remember uh, 
I think that that's what we referred. No, 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 no. That was uh, that was another guy. Sorry, I, you went back like two sentences, and my brain immediately blanked. Uh, <laughs> no, that was another guy. Mm. <laughs> However, I could see you doing that. No offense. I am the kind of person to do that. You know, um, interesting. So, have you heard of a place um, in the depths of the Saharan Desert? Um, in this absolutely um, remarkable uh, place, it's called Sammy's Cook. Pizza. Um, <laughs> listeners, if you'd, the Sahara, Sammy's Pizza. if you'd like to find Sammy's Pizza, I do recommend you examine some of the um, more sub-Saharan sections of the uh, uh, African world, and you'll find these wonderful Wait, places. Um, okay, Sammy's I have Pizza. To, I have to look this um, up now. Um, Sammy's Pizza is something that I get to eat every Wednesday that I'm really happy about. And the thing that I pride myself on most is the ability to just rip through that pizza. Um and it's really why do you pride yourself on this because <laughs> i go home and i look at myself and i hate myself the exact same amount as i did that morning and honestly i can stand with that <laughs> and of course yeah, listeners we are broadcasting from the center of sub-saharan africa um so if you're looking to doxus come visit i'd love to go if you're looking I, to doxus come visit i'd, I'd love you'll to go you'll find a note that says try space next time <laughs> um i but, mentioned we are the only station that broadcasts that far this arm of the milky way i'm pretty sure so yeah well i mean i look, look to the best of my knowledge i i, I only just got uh, a comlink that lets me look into old terra so I, i'm enjoying my opportunity to study things about what they call africa what they call Africa. What is this place the human call Africa? <laughs> it's the most freaking like, uh, like, what's his name? Uh, not, not Vlad. Why does the first name come, that come to me is Vlad the Impaler? Uh, you always, you always did look into a weird parts the, of the old Terran the guy doctrine. From, it's the guy from Flash Gordon. Oh, you're way beyond me. I got nothing. Yeah, no, that. What, what is this place? Uh, Ming the Merciless. There we go. That's his name. That means nothing to you, but I'm very happy that I remembered it. <laughs> he's, the, he's the big, why are my hands always wet? <laughs> that is... As he, as he strews his hands about in the air and his, and his uh, latex cape billows behind him because he's a spoof on every single 1900s uh, serial on space. <laughs> oh, I love it. Beautiful, really. It's a terrible movie, but it's a funny character. <laughs> Flash Gordon is the greatest <laughs> example of why Star Wars did so well. Well, yeah, but it's meant to be. A, I'm pretty sure it's meant to be a comedy. Like that's that's the purpose of the movie. It's been so long since I watched it. That's the purpose of the movie is that it's it's comedic and it's spoofing all of this. Oh, I get that, and I, and I I I love it in the same way. I love Spaceballs. Well, yeah. Friggin' uh, comb the desert. You find anything? Nope. <laughs> They're holding massive combs. That was so good. That was that was truly uh, wonderful. A couple of days ago, my buddies at work were actually on a uh, on a kick about what do you what do you say? Oh yeah, quoting that movie like back and forth. It was great. Friggin' uh, one of them brought up the merchandising, and I was like, oh, yeah, you know why he made that joke, right? It's because he was actually forbade from selling any merchandise by Lucasfilms. <laughs> Lucasfilms, like, threatened to sue him out of his job, to sue uh, Mel Brooks out of his job, if he sold any merchandise for Spaceballs, because it was a direct Star Wars spoof. 
<laughs> uh, makes a lot of sense for like of course it being oh no don't don't tap into our merchandising but then it makes for one of the greatest bits in the movie what um oh my goodness i hate to ask uh because i should know this speaking as someone who has one in their hand right now but in dune what um uh that paul uses to learn about the fremen and uh, in dune what Oh, we're moving, we're moving to Arrakis. I apologize. I do apologize. Um, I, I didn't mean – I was trying to make a reference. And I've been trying to Google it while you've been talking, and I can't find it. Um, the, the tool, he, it talks to him, and he uses it to learn about other places. It's not a data slate because that's Star Wars. Uh, it doesn't talk to him. It's called a film book. A film book. I apologize because I know they don't uh, have computers. So I was, was going to ask, how do they yeah. store their information? Um, it's all on like microfilm is the idea. So I see uh, stuff that if you if you touch it with your bare hand, then it will just disintegrate. Uh, Interesting. There's two different types. I'm gonna I'm gonna release a video on this soon, actually. So it's fine that I'm talking about it. Or not soon, but once I get the animation done. Uh, there's there's two different types. There's the old school type, which is what he gets at the beginning of the book from uh, from Yui, the doctor, and it's a Bible. Uh, it's the Orange Catholic Bible, and it's incredibly small to the point where you you press like catches on the sides, and it, as it pops open, a magnifier also pops out, so you can actually read the book, and then the magnifier tracks your eye, uh, and then you flip pages by pressing buttons on the side, and it, it has this thin, like literally dissolves by the touch of human oils, uh, paper that slides over to the right as you read and then the other uh, the other thing is known as a film book and it's a book that is actually realistically like a movie ah right okay yeah it's shown through like film paper and stuff like that that is projected onto something and to all our listeners I do in fact have a data sleep but it's currently um, being impounded for my uh, 17th felony so I'm I'm avoiding that section of the Milky Way yeah um, you're uh, we're staying in here for a reason. I mean, Azul uh, may be the worst roommate ever, but at least he, uh, at least he keeps the cops out. And hey, I brew you. Uh, oh, that reminds me. Uh, now to mention our sponsor, um, I want to again thank the wonderful uh, man himself. Uh, I, I'd, like thank, <laughs> I'd like to thank our sponsor, Charlie Mops, for all the Stop wonderful work he's done. <laughs> I'd like to thank him for all the wonderful work he's done in keeping me sane and keeping me from flaying my good co-host alive. Um, Charlie Mops, the man who invented beer and hops. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I would be. I would take the a sip who, of Guinness like I've done. The man who invented hops. Shut up. The man. The man who keeps me from murdering my co-hosts. I would take a sip of um, Guinness like I do every episode, but due to this episode and um, the uh, tragic um, uh, intergalactic version of the West Nile virus I've caught, I will be sipping tea. If, if we, if we ever get a um an actual sponsor, we have to do the sponsorship like that. <laughs> like we have to do it. We're just interrupts the show. Like like just train into a brick wall. <laughs> like there's no smooth transition. There, there's um, no smooth transition. It's when Wiley Coyote, yeah, like like we expect it to be like Roadrunner running through the hole that Wiley Coyote is painted onto the wall. But in reality, we're just Wiley Coyote running into the wall. <laughs> I mean, would you would you really have it any other way? <laughs> no. That's why uh, I said we have to do it that way. Thank God for Charlie Mops. Anyway, um. I believe I actually had a question for you, uh, Mr. Oh, 
<laughs> Mr. Oh, Alex, jokes. would you mind? Yeah. Um, th- th- there is a fantastic book I've been re- reading recently. Um, uh, I, I I still needed to get my day to sleep back, and I hadn't please, gotten my film. Please, Lord, say um, it's Dune. Could please. you please teach me a little about this fantastic place I've been reading about um, that was brought into existence um, from fiction in the year 3822? Um, it's this place called Coristone, and I'd love to learn some more about it. Oh freaking a! You're you're pulling you're pulling two strings at once. One is the regret <laughs> of the fact that you're not talking about Dune, and the other is the joy that you're talking about my my world that I've sculpted. Oh, I hate you! I, I love you at the same I time. Like now I'm gonna start rambling very to the well. I'm I'm proud of myself for preparing that. My guts and, are in a twist as to punch you or kiss you. Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, we are in the era in which both of those things are possible, and I would probably get in trouble for both of them. Um, although I didn't check the uh, data slate, so I'm not entirely sure where the most recent um, uh, war profiteering uh, bill that recently passed slash was fought over um, in the recent Senate battlegrounds that determined whether or not um, cyborgs can give consent. So that's a, that, that, that's a discussion for another cast. Could you teach me some more about well, Coristel, though? That's, that's a discussion for the cyborgs. Okay. Uh uh, sure. We're just doing this cold turkey then. Coristel is the land that I have created for a lot of the stories that are going to be going on. If you pay any attention to the other podcast that is uploaded to the Studio Warlock channel, then that is where Luna will eventually be going. So this is a bit of a sneak peek into that. If you're not a patron, become a patron. If you are, then you might have already known this. I'm kidding. You wouldn't because I keep everything hidden from everybody. Uh but essentially, it's also the same place that I run all of my campaigns in for the two that I've had so far. And it's an island that's a bit like if Hawaii wasn't tropical. And it's it, the entire world is based around this island. There are things around it, of course, that matter, don't matter kind of deal. Like, it's the same thing that you hear in, like, fantasy novels where they say that it's a far-off land, and so they pay attention to it, but only enough is, like, to understand their politics. I'm having to re-explain this to Luke because I know that he already knows this, but the viewer doesn't, so here we are. Uh, Essentially, it's... I don't know how to put it besides the fact that it's an island you can't leave. There's a mist around the island that permeates and confuses anyone who tries to sail into it. I just used the word permeate wrong, I know. And confuses anyone who tries to sail into it unless they have a powerful abjurer on a ship known as a cutter. So the only way to get out of the island is if you pay a lot of money to actually leave, which is great for me because that means that I don't have to build the rest of the world for a while now, but it's bad for me because that means that I have to put a bunch of content into Coristel. Uh, Essentially, it's an archipelago of islands where humans long, long ago came and the best use for the term would be invaded. They colonized and then took over because they were running away from wherever they were before. Probably somewhere in the south. I'm going to have it be somewhere in the south. But uh, that spawned what was known as the Age of Conquest, which is the first age in Coristel's books. No one really knows how long it went on besides the elves, because the elves were the only people that kept accurate records, because they're the only people that lived long enough to have that kind of word-of-mouth knowledge of how old something was. That's going in the book. And uh, 
the dwarfs came over through what is known as the Black Lagoon, which comes right underneath of their, uh, it comes right underneath of their mountains. They then purged the mountains of all of the goblins and Dweagar and some drow that were trying to escape up there and filled them with their machines. The elves came from the north to run away from the giants and their mayhem, and then they hiked apparently up the cliffs, which, uh, if you've ever played Elden Ring, that's where I base this island's border off of. Most of it is just sheer rock cliff. These elves apparently just scaled the wall and then started the Lansuni Woods, which is the north. And then the Washed Wastes have, for the best of anyone's knowledge, always been there, holding Nokanaim, the ancient turtle. That is, of course, for those of you who don't play D&D, a turtle man, because I love that race. I hate and that race so his, very much. I love that race so very much. I love that you hate it because I played one and you hated him. I'm very openly <laughs> racist to turtles. <laughs> to turtles. Uh, this, of course, houses turtles and as well as uh, sea elves and Vidalkin and anything that would really live in the sea besides lizard folk because they are seen as scum and monsters because they eat people. It does make but one beside... wonder, is there a dragon turtle there? Is there a... a what? Uh, is that an actual race? No, it's a... Wait, you don't... Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. It, or, is it, or is it an actual monster class of dragon? It is an actual monster class of dragon. Like, dragon turtles are a real okay. thing. They're huge. Like, people based, mistake based... them for islands. They're awesome. They're super cool for monsters oh. to put in your game. I highly recommend them. That would be fun. I would. I was about to say it would be fun to make it so that the entirety of Gorosel... Like, this is brain... brain brain fart session, but uh, it would be fun to make it so that the entirety of Coristel was just a um, a dragon turtle. That would be possible. I've already established the fact that they have a connection to the Underdark. <laughs> so. The turtle? No, the, the island. Drow can come up from the Underdark into the island. I mean, it's not impossible for it to... Uh, I mean, I'm just... I'm just putting it out there. That, to be fair, know. a blue whale's veins are big enough that a man can swim through them, so I can't imagine what a dragon turtle would be like. Oh, you have no idea. Why don't I like, just... You might just have an ecosystem inside the turtle. Let me look that up, actually. You have, you have brought something to my attention. So, let me find it. Let me find it. Where did I put it? Where uh, did I put it? Dean dragon Ah, oh, there it is. Ancient dragon turtle. Um, ancient dragon turtles are, in fact, gargantuan. Um, and if you're going to look at the picture you see on um, D&D Beyond, it does put the turtle about the size of a mountain. Yeah, and the the young dragon turtle is about the size of a sh ship. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So... Yeah. Curse my throat. Remember, a, adult dragon turtle is a minimum century old. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ancient is something else. I'd say ancient would run you around an ancient dragon, so... Yeah. I I, I recommend it to look into it because they're pretty freaking cool. Um, they're designed for a level 24 combat, so that's uh, something you could contemplate. I love how it's really simplistic with its with its attack actions, like multi-attack. The dragon tomb... Uh, the dragon turtle can make one bite or tail attack and two claw attacks. Ooh, that's normal. And then it goes to bite, which is like a thing that you see really often. Uh, attack, plus 16 to hit. Range, 15 feet. <laughs> yeah, no, you think you, you, there's no running from this thing. On a hit, 15 or 1d12 plus 9. Piercing damage, plus 13. 2d, 
2d12 lightning damage. It's... So this thing deals a total of 3d12. Uh, 3d12 oh, and, plus 9 And don't forget, if the dragon turtle would die, it doesn't. What do you mean? Blessing uh, of the Sea of recharges action, on a short or long rest. If the dragon turtle would be reduced to 0 HP, its current HP total instead resets to 350 HP, and it recharges steam breath automatically. Additionally, the dragon turtle now has new actions known as mythic actions for the next hour. That's fantastic. And it can use its mythic actions to use bite. The dragon makes an extra bite attack. Uh, or armor of storms, which costs two actions. Uh, lightning temporarily surrounds the dragon turtle as it gains 40 temporary hit points uh, until the start of its next turn, until all these temporary hit points are gone. Uh, any creature that touches the dragon turtle or hits it with a melee weapon attack takes 26 or 4d12 lightning damage. Yeah, I'd have to say that there. I, I would just every single turn give it do, do armor of storms. Um, and See, there's also the fact that recognize the fact that this is without contemplating the legendary resistances it already has. Um, but see, this is this is a problem that I have with modern D anD D, and it's the fact that uh, one the CR for this. I know that CR means nothing, but the CR for this is level twenty four. In modern D anD D, you don't have campaigns that go beyond the level twenty. So but you can't go into mythic or legendary. So if the, you read I think the, the DM's guide, you're just not supposed to kill this thing. If you read the DM's guide. Um, Magic items have a quantifiable buff to what your level is relative to CR. Oh, okay. Um, which is why creatures like Tiamat or the Aspect of Bahamut are CR 30. Um, but if every single person in your party has a legendary item or an artifact, let me tell you, CR 30 suddenly becomes very achievable, if still difficult. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Um, but creatures like this really... Uh, this would have to, it's like the Tarask, which you definitely should make like you should build like, end a campaign it's like, it's like stuff. a world eater event yeah. it really is it's something where you you would um looking ahead you would basically prepare them the entire campaign for a fight like this like the yeah. the, the rise of Tiamat um, module by the time that module starts they're already level 11. Um, so I think so anyway. Because I they've think. been going through the other modules just before it. Yeah, exactly. And so there are the ones that are meant to lace into it. So by that point, um, they should already have an idea that they're going to be trying to stop TMF from being brought forth, which in my opinion is why it's not that bad that she's so powerful compared to where they're supposed to be because they're not supposed to let her be summoned. If she is summoned, you can still try yeah. and fight her. That's why she has stats. If she, ha if it has stats, it can die. Um, but it's supposed to be it's supposed to be difficult. It's supposed it, yeah. to be very, very difficult. And of course, scattered throughout the, um, the 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 module are a large number of legendary and artifact items. Um, but even if you get all of those things, the can't the module doesn't go to level twenty. So that gives you an idea of where you're gonna be interacting with her. And she's CR yeah. thirty, so fighting her is not a good idea. Which is why the campaign designed itself around stopping them from bringing her back. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Dragon Turtle, I think, would be a very interesting thing to put in core stuff, but that's your call. It would be interesting. I'm, I'm probably going to do it for one of the smaller islands, though, because Coristel is, again, big. Like, it's it's hard to say how big, other than just saying big. <coughs> Something that made me think about size, though, earlier today. Uh, I'd say it's, what, like the size of Britain? Coristel? 
Uh, yeah. Yeah, like the length of uh, the bottom of England to the top of, is it Ireland or Scotland? It's on top of England. I think it's Scotland. Scotland is. Yeah, it's about uh, from the bottom of and from the bottom of England to the top of Scotland. That's just the main island, and then the archipelago around it is uh, is made up of smaller islands. I am very excited yeah. to hear more about it. So, could you tell me a little about um, the <laughs> different nations of this world of yours and uh, the I need heroes to that have come about from Teladar. it? Uh, currently, there are no heroes. Realistically, well, there's a few like Wayne Witchbane who made his name being essentially bane of a lot of uh I, I apologize to most of our listeners you may notice that there's a monotone going through both Luke, uh, luke's and my voice and it's the fact that both of us are dreadfully ill but we're still gonna record uh i very tragically place a high value on um your entertainment listeners um if you could if, <laughs> if you could very so kindly leave some unkind and very cruel comments so that i may stop yeah, having this some, personal feeling towards you i'd appreciate it stop feeling that we should stop feeling horrible or maybe make us feel horrible about even giving you content that would be fun that would be appreciated uh, <laughs> anyways like wayne witchpin who's uh he's from the legion of stars of course because it's my it's my child faction like a lot of the other factions are like, oh, this exists in every other fantasy. And Legion of Stars is like, no, these are the monster hunters that I might, might, my baby, give them to me. Uh, he is known for not taking off his helmet, as is key in a lot of his different things. So he's this guy who walks around literally as the knight in shining armor. And uh, another thing that he's known for is being just an absolute nightmare when it comes to dealing with nightmares. So in Coruscant, this is another thing that I have to slowly and slightly touch on it's the fact that the material plane in raw in rules as written is surrounded by the Feywild and then the shadow fell on top and bottom and then around that is the ethereal plane and the ethereal plane is like the plane of ghosts and so in my in the world of Coristel, between that and lacing around and wrapping around all of that just before it gets to the ethereal plane is the plane of dreams and dreams can hold either good dreams or nightmares and nightmares typically summon in monsters good dreams they can bring things like good luck but they're not nearly as powerful as a lot more people have them they're also more closely linked to the face so if you have a really good dream something crazy can happen however in the other words and in the in the uh, flip side of that there's the nightmares which can summon in things like windigos or uh, vampires and different stuff of that caliber where it's not quite a demon, but it's still something incredibly bad. So the Legion of Stars typically focuses on stopping nightmares before they even get into the world. So that would be invading people's dreams and helping them kill the nightmare or find lucidity and fix their own dream. But every now and then, of course, a nightmare does slip through. They are little agents of chaos, typically coming out as things that you'd typically see in the Shadowfell or the Unseelie Courts. The Shadowfell, again, for the viewer that doesn't play D&D, is essentially the place that you go before you go to the hells or the place that you go before you go to the heavens. It's like the intermediary area. When you die, you go there, and then the god of death ships you off to somewhere else. And so it's filled with, uh, of course, a lot of death, and it's a direct one-to-one -one representation of the real world, but it's all murky and a swamp so like where there might be a giant city instead there's a giant pit whereas in the Feywild where there might be a giant city there's instead a giant glistening lake or something like that and uh it's in that sense a one-to-one -one representation but it's twisted and dark which I still want to run a campaign based in the Shadowfell but I have no idea how difficult it would be 
anyways, uh, that is the Legion of Stars, and that's really the only hero that I've written so far is Wayne, who is known for running across the island and killing a bunch of monstrosities. And then there's, of course, Loon, who will become a hero, and I'm not going to spoil any of his stories, but I already mentioned that he's going to Coruscant, so it doesn't matter. He's going to go to Coruscant. He is, of course, because of his character, going to be a hero. And then there is Coruscant himself, who is a very special case of self-sacrifice. The island is named after the man. But, yeah, as far as heroes go, not many have been written. There have been the great lore stories, of course, which is... Uh, the fact that the humans have their entire godly pantheon and the fact that their gods follow a very strict set of rules that happens to look a lot like chess. And then there's the dwarves who, rather than having gods, killed them because their gods were cruel and brutal overlords. And then the elves who have one god and know that he exists. So the problem is, is that it's very hard for an elf to be a paladin or a cleric. And then the sea people just want to be left alone. Anyone in the washed wastes, leave them alone. They'll give you a good time. That's that's all that they want. That's all that they want. Please leave us alone. Stop conscripting us, please. What please. about your furries? Please. What? The furries. The cat and dog people. Oh, that's in the nation off to the west. That was just a joke, but it's now an actual part of lore. Uh, so in D&D Raw, there's a race called Tabaxi. They're, um, they're essentially Khajiits from Skyrim. They're cat people. And then I, of course, homebrewed a kind of counterpart race to that, which is Wolfmen. And the idea is that the joke is that the uh, the tabaxi carry with them the desert and the wolfmen carry with them the tundra and where they meet at the border. Whenever the wolfmen win, of course, then there is like the tundra spreads to where they have won. And wherever the tabaxi win, the, the desert spreads to where they win. So it's a, it's a very hard set and identifiable border between these two wars. But uh, it's a war that's been going on for centuries, and it's essentially who will be better, and it's undecided for all of that time. But this is a great way for me to just say, hey, if you want to play a tabaxi, uh, too bad you're going to be either a slave, a merchant, or um, or a refugee. That's cold. <laughs> well, no. Okay, have you looked at their base stats? Yes. They're incredible. And by incredible, I mean bad. No, I, I know. I, I, I totally get you. If I stand still, I can double my movement speed. That's not my base movement speed, because if I'm wearing boots of speed and I have, um, and I have Shadow Monk or whatever allows me to, like, move, like, 60 feet per turn, then I can click my boots of speed, get 120, uh, moves per, I mean, uh, get 120 feet per turn, and then double it again because of my Tabaxi ability, and then go, and then go 240 feet per six seconds, which I'm just going to pull out a calculator because I, I don't know how fast that would be. Uh, calculator. So if we're going, uh, six seconds is one tenth of a minute, right? Right. No, 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 that's wrong. No, what? Six seconds is one tenth of a minute. There are 60 seconds in a minute. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, Sorry, whenever I do math with time, it's incredibly confusing. So you're going at 240 uh, feet per six seconds. So if you multiply that by uh, six, which would then bring it to a minute, then that means that you're going 1,440 feet per, uh, per minute, which if you multiply that by, uh, what would that be? You'd have to multiply it by 60 to get speed per hour. 
you'd be moving at 86,400 feet per hour, which if we divide that by the unit that everyone should know in the empirical measurement system, which is uh, 2,580, two that's the unit for, let me look up again just to make sure if I'm getting the unit for a mile correct. Uh, how long is a mile? 5,280 feet. Yeah, so I was slightly off. I didn't want to know mile to kilometer. I Goodness. One mile I is hate 0. 0.6 kilometers. <coughs> no, no, sorry. A uh, kilometer is 0. No, 0.6 miles. No, one mile is... No, uh, a kilometer is... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because one mile is 1.6 kilometers. Yep. Sorry, I just want to make sure that I'm getting the measurement right. Yeah, okay, so you are right. It's 5,280. Uh, friggin' backspace all that. Uh, so if you multiply that number, that previous 8,000... No, wait, no, not multiply, divide. By uh, 5,280. I need new keycaps because I can't actually see the legends on my mechanical keyboard. Uh, then you're, we get that you're moving at roughly... Uh, 16.6336 uh, repeating miles per hour. So just over 16.3 miles an hour. I know I probably got the math wrong. Anyone who's actually watching this show, please correct me in the comments because I'm pretty sure it's still a ludicrously fast speed. But regardless, what is Usain Bolt's top speed? Uh, let me check. That's a, that's a good reference. I'm pretty sure it's like 27 miles an hour. Let's find out. Um... Miles per hour is 23 miles, 35, uh, 23.35 miles an hour. Yeah, so you're moving at around half the speed of the fastest man on the planet, and it's all because you are a... But, like, and that, that makes a lot of sense for, like, oh, if you're really good at running. The problem is, is that you are, uh, <laughs> in, in rules, as they should be used, that is too fast. That is, that is too quick because of the fact of how big most battle maps are and how much you actually need to move within them and you have to think that each square is not divided into like oh this is a, this is a 15 foot square no it's 5 feet, 5 foot square perfect 5 foot dimension square so if you're moving literally the tiles of the battle map every time that you want to make your move action that's insane That's why? why are you able to go that fast? Stop, please. It doesn't get yeah, better. That's my, that's my problem with Tabaxi. <laughs> that and the fact that they have a natural climbing speed, which that apparently does not inhibit. Uh, that that movement does not inhibit, so they could climb twice as fast as if they wanted to. This is correct. This is absolutely correct. Which, like, natural climbing speeds I'm perfectly fine with if it's, like, you know, if it's set to be that it's your base movement speed. But if, if you can use that ability with it to just, like, lance yourself up a wall... The point of climbing a wall is that it's difficult. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was under the impression the point of climbing a wall was to reach the top of the wall. Well, yeah, there, there's the point of climbing the wall is to reach the top of the wall. But the point of climbing a wall in a game is that it should bring some kind of difficulty to it. Do you not agree? I suppose... You well, like, if very you upsettingly combat. bring out the facts that I can't argue with. <laughs> if you're in mid-combat and your opponent is up on a wall, there are two ways to deal with him. One way is that if you shoot him from a range, 
and then you have a good chance of hitting him, but he also probably has a ranged weapon to shoot you. But the reason that he's on a wall is that he can drop boulders on top of you if you try to climb the wall. You know what I mean? Theoretically. So, well, not boulders, but he can easily throw shot down. Uh, he can easily throw shot down to just destroy people beneath him. And so if you can just all of a sudden be at the top of the wall without using magic or some kind of feat, like ability that you unlocked throughout the game, and instead it's just like this is what your race can do, or you're not race because they changed race to species, which I think is better because, again, elves are not the same as humans, thus they are different species. Anyways, rant over. Wait a uh, minute. What? Species can't interbreed. Yeah, explain that to the people that want to make half elf stuff. I was about to say, doesn't that mean that means that means elves and humans are the same race? They're still humanoid, I guess, but also like fantastically thinking. It is it is the fact that they're different species because they are different, but they're so. The thing is, we don't on on like any planet have a race that's close enough biologically that they could intermingle and come out with a decent child. Has anyone tried it with monkeys? Don't answer that. I don't want to know, and I'm not going to look it up, because I don't want to know. <laughs> no, but I technically, technically, elves would have to be the same species as humans if half elves Yeah, but exist. then also technically orcs would as well. Yes. And also technically then, if you're following, uh, not raw, but popular... Um, if you're following popular opinion, then also dwarves would as well, because the idea is that halflings come from dwarves. No, halflings do not come from dwarves. <laughs> it would make a lot of sense. No, it wouldn't. They don't have beards. Yeah, what? Wait, wait, wait. They're so what? All, all the beard hair went to their feet? Sure. <laughs> don't say that. Stop. What's wrong with that? That doesn't make any sense. Doesn't have to, Luke. It's a fantasy game. Okay, then, then they don't need to be named species. They can just all be race. Yeah, but then if you if you feel precedent against one species, like say tiefling, then you're called a racist. When in reality, no, they are a different species. They but, are a different breed. But it's a fantasy game. <laughs> to be fair, yeah. I mean, also back in medieval times, if you're called a racist, then someone would look at you like you what, and then essentially not understand what the term racist meant. <laughs> Look, Alex, you can't apply two Sorry for the contravening line. ideas and rules and then expect them to work themselves out. You have to pick a side, Alex. I'm I'm aware, but the problem is is that you can't really if you if you're going to make the argument that oh, well, species can't intermix, then of course they'd have to be races, but the thing is is that realistically Gygax wasn't thinking about that when he made the game because of course we weren't in this or at least Earth wasn't in this political landscape, where uh, everything must be PC at all times, even our games. So the thing is, is that I wouldn't find it abnormal to hate tieflings because they look like devil people. Nobody you know said I mean? you couldn't hate tieflings. Well, no, but now there's this entire woke crowd 
coming I don't about. I'm believe really, I'm really that affects our myself, game. Aren't I? Yeah, you really I, are. I, I, game, I feel no, like I've no, been it, very it good as a whole. at not. It hasn't yeah, affected I, I, me. I'm just, I'm just gonna start spitting some things that might accidentally cancel us. Uh, well, my man, I've, been, I think I've been pretty good about not doing this. You are just like I can watch you sail. Cox has gone at the beginning of every single episode. I forgot to do that. Thank you. Don't, please don't, please don't. It, it, it blows out your microphone. Please don't. There we go. Where was I? Uh. Anyways, you have this woke crowd now that's like, oh, the tiefling shouldn't be hated. And it's like, well, yeah, they shouldn't be, but they're going to be because anything that is different is feared by man. Also, the point so, is that they shouldn't be hated. That That's the whole point. That's the point. That's why you put a lesson in there. Yeah, but also, like, that's that's the thing that the tiefling is striving for. But also, you have to think about it. The tiefling is half devil. Or Technically, they're not they're half really devil. Bad, they're half demon. <laughs> also, they can't be half demon. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, they literally still. can't be. Um, and technically, they aren't half-devil. They are less than. Cambians are half-devil. Oh, yeah, they're like they're like 49% devil. They're 49% or less. Have you considered... Yeah. The whole point is that it is wrong to hate tieflings. Tieflings don't have a well, draw. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the idea, and that's why your adventurers don't care. But the thing is, is that the people, the greater people should care because anything that is different is scary. You know yes, what I mean? Yes, I'm like not that's saying that's incorrect, man. but that's the whole thing. The whole no, point but the, I'm is saying that, that... I'm saying that the entire group on like Twitter or on uh, D&D Beyond in you, general... You actually listen to what's said idea. on Twitter? No, but I just... I hear it like, like visions from an angry god <laughs> plaguing my mind. I just I, I open up my phone and I and I see it just in my notifications like ah oh, this this garbage again. Dude, this is why I don't I have, have any social again. media. Yeah, no, I should just burn my social media. But the problem is that's the only way that I can talk to the lovelies, man. It's the only way that I can speak if fans actually reach out to me, because this I'm not going to do it through YouTube. Their messaging system sucks. <laughs> email. <laughs> do no, I email. get it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. I'm gonna have to edit all those sniffles, aren't I? I think you can leave it in. I've been, it's authentic. I've been, I've been sniffling quite a bit. Yeah, but it, it sounds horrible. I disagree. Anyways, I think that that's the reason that they changed it to species because uh, it's the same argument that my father's been making since like he got into Pathfinder is the fact that if you have different stat, like an orc has in Pathfinder a plus two to strength a um, plus one to con and a minus one to charisma. Because well, following that, following that, so following that, why why ascribe HP to classes at all and not to race? Well, no, that, that this is part of what I'm kind of saying is that uh, if so, so the orc has a minus one to charisma because to the human they're ugly, but to the orc they value strength over beauty. So it makes sense that even amongst the orc, it wouldn't matter if their charisma was high. Uh, but also they are a different species from the elf who has a plus two to dexterity, a plus one to charisma, and a minus one to strength. Because if they were the same species, then why would there be that much variation? And, and we've established that one point in uh, in D&D stat is actually quite a bit. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, like one point can set you from uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger at his peak to ungodly power. Correct. You know what I mean? So why would there be that much variation over a race 
if we've established that on Earth, all races are the same. It's just a different melanin content in the skin. You know what I mean? Correct. So, if if you're if you are actually going to have differences in the way that they develop, in the way that they uh, act, and the way that they, I don't know how to put it, but the way that they are essentially their being, then that means that they must be a different species from someone else. You get my point? Yes, I do. So. Maybe the the fantastical idea of crossbreeding species is the fact that that rule doesn't apply when they are so close and just far enough away to be different species, but so close that they can still biologically intermingle. That doesn't make sense. Maybe not in a scientific sense, but it is, again, a fantastical world. Is there a system for creating spells? Uh, in D&D? In your world? Not necessarily. No. Is there a system for alchemy, if we're crafting anything? Oh, yeah, there's a system for... Then there is science. Well, yes, but it's science that has to deal with mixing death root with... uh, Which has a tangible result. death root with fairy fairy dust. Therefore. And then with uh, nightshade. Yes, which has a a tangible, consistent Yes, and the tangible, consistent result of mixing an elf with a human gives you a half-elf. That doesn't make sense. If it's not, if they're different species, then that should not be possible. It should be a guaranteed miscarriage every time. If if it's, Luke, if it's not, okay, if they're different species, it should not be possible. If I'm mixing something with fairy dust in real life, I'm high on ketamine. But that's the whole thing, is that we're applying rules into a world where these things are real. If rules can be applied, that therefore gives the implication that there are hard rules, including the fact that these separate species would not be able to intermix. If you want to apply to species, then they cannot intermix. If they can intermix, then you have to use races. You make me so angry. But then Uh, if if there are races, then there shouldn't be differences between them. But from a technical standpoint, if you are going to be applying, you have to understand, if you're going to exist within the rules of this world, and these beings were crafted by gods, certain beings that have come into existence are the natural proof that they are the same race. Therefore, you simply have to accept that in this world, they are a part of the same race, but sub-phenites or, 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 or groupings of their deities have crafted them in a way that they build in a different way. Well, that, that's, that's, an, that's another thing, though, is that in this uh, world, I see. there are... Yep, yep. No, I just, I just saw... I, just, I, I realized what I just did. There are literal gods that yep. intermingle with the dealings of, of the mortals. I just canceled out my own argument. Like, we, we know here that there's one, but in, in many other... In many D&D games, there are several that do very stupid things, like the Greek gods. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I just I'm think starting about it. to there's, see. There's, there's got to be a god of, of parting in every single D&D campaign. No way he wouldn't make sure that everyone can go and, uh, you know, have some. Okay, okay, uh, you know what, I will... <laughs> well, technically, both of our arguments become either valid or invalid, depending on if we allow the god argument. Yeah, exactly, depending on the way that you look at it. Yeah. So you just bring we, we, we have not changed our position like whatsoever. Sculptors into the, yeah, we don't need to. <laughs> okay, I will admit you make some fair points. In one world, it's true. In Teladar, it isn't. I'll admit it. I will admit you make great points. <laughs> also, to the lovely viewer, uh, 
The reason I haven't asked Luke anything about Teladar is because I play in his world. Um, I I think that if if I if I'm speaking for the viewers' sake, I'm I'll allow you. I, I can tell you things that your character would know anyway. Yeah, we could also probably cover some stuff that I have already learned that just yeah. the viewer doesn't notice. So, if you have questions, ask away. So, the entirety of the first age, how did that go to... <laughs> well, we can start with a couple interesting characters. Um, no, 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 don't actually. By the name of Kier uh, Fiendbane. Okay, that's actually a pretty good last name. Um, Kier Fiendbane was... very much back to me, accidentally thinking that I might have stolen your name. Oh, don't worry. I've had him written for a very long time, and I didn't mention it to him. Well, no, but if, if you did ever mention him, then I'm like, huh, Wayne Witchbane. That's fun. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's all right. I've never mentioned him, um, but it is cool. all right. He is just... You'll hear about him soon, probably, actually. Um, but oh, if fun. You, you want to hear some about characters, um, Kier Fiendbane supposedly conquered the entire continent by himself. Um, now... There's a bold claim, and most people presume it to be myth, or at the very least that he was leading an army of some kind. But Kier Fiendbane was an unknown human of the West who, in the unnumbered days, conquered the continents on his own. Um, to give you some small context, listener, Teladar is a continent um, in a cardinal direction that I'm unaware of on a uh, four-dimensional plane from uh, Coruscant. That is rather large. Um, it's about the size of, I'd say, France, maybe bigger. By four-dimensional plane, do you mean like there's a way to get to either one? I guess, maybe. Well, there, there kind of has to be for the sake of the story. Yeah, which I, I don't hate. I think it's kind of cool. I think it's kind of cool. When the stars that, like, align and the sun is in the right spot. Yeah, like <laughs> when, when the veil is weakest, you can pass through and yeah, yeah, arrive yeah. in a new world. You can find the right direction to just run. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it relates to not only – it relates to a specific time um, because you, you can't just run off in a, right, in a specific direction. Or you're just going to pop out somewhere in the astral sea. Now, you got to you gotta wait for the Tuesday after the last get, time um, Johnny McJohnface um, decided – to slurp down a taco. <laughs> slurp down a taco. It directly relates you make to Johnny. It sounds like he blended it. <laughs> Do you not blend your tacos? Let me just let me just blend this taco in a nice little protein shake. I'm say, there if we you go. don't blend your tacos, what are you doing? As the wizard drinks his his taco protein shake that he got from Taco <laughs> Bell at one o'clock in the morning because he's tired and working for midterms. We all know Taco Bell's timeless. Ta- taco Bell exists on every plane of existence at every Taco Bell exists time. on every plane of existence and in every story. You just have to look hard enough. It's honestly horrifying. It's like a Waffle House. The only difference is that the Waffle Houses are all in the Underdark, so who cares? <laughs> Um, but to cover Kier Fiendbane... They're all in the Underdark, um, but the, the employees are still human. That's horrifying. That actually sounds like a Taco Bell. I think I've been to that Taco Bell, they, actually. No, no, no. No, a Waffle House. I've they're definitely been under- to that Waffle House. <laughs> they're all in the Underdark, but the employees are still human and also still don't care. Honestly, yeah. Yeah, they don't care. I mean, I if I got in a fight in a Waffle House, the person behind the counter might join in for the fun of it, honestly. Oh, yeah, or start hedging bets. Listener, if you haven't been to a Waffle House, go to a Waffle House. I recommend you buy some plates um, or some body armor at the very least, but uh, go to a Waffle House. That bullet hole is a real bullet hole before you ask. Yes, it is. And the hurricane? Don't worry about it. They're still open. It's fine. Oh, yeah. Hey, come on. They're loyal, loyal employees. They're loyal to their customers. And that's something you got to respect. I really think so. Um, Anyways. Kier Fiendbane, um, Kier spelled C-H-I-R, is... One of my favorite heroes, um, because his story is the simplest. He does not – he well, 
He has no ascribed race. Every race says it was theirs, but to some we can very quickly chop them out as um, any not among the firstborn likely could not have been Kier Fiendbane. Um, dwarves, humans, gnomes, halflings, and the like could not have been Kier Fiendbane. Now, it's not a very elven name, um, nor is it orcish. Um, and those are the only two firstborn races one can think of. So one must ascribe it to a strange member of either of those races. Kierfiendbane, there's many things about Kierfiendbane that have been written. It said that he existed during the ancient wars between dragons and giants, and that he single-handedly interrupted a duel between a red dragon and a storm giant because they were interfering with his crops. Um, he was an ancient person who held a rather large agricultural ter uh, section of territory, not as any kind of warlord, but just as a, a, a sort of um, a, a harvester of sorts. Um, he, he had a simple life. Um, Kierfiendbane was given that name um, by the ages. Um, all it's known factually is that his first name was Kier. Um, the name Fiendbane came uh, as he did... Not cleanse the world, but he did clean it up a bit in the Westlands. Um, he founded the Delian Order, though it was not known by that in that time. Of course, from there we can go on to another hero by the name of Ethwin Bered, um, Baron Hergrim's warden in the ancient days, um, who say he could use any weapon ever invented, um, even switching between them mid-combat because it, he found it to be a good challenge. Um, his end was rather unceremonious, as he did drown... Um, uh, in the Sea of Aran because he couldn't get his armor off quick enough. And then we can jump oh. back for a moment. Um, we can go to Ernst, Ernst Lier, uh, I hate this name, I can't, I can never pronounce it. Ernst Yervu, uh, LL. plays out like his six years of world building. Sorry, sorry. sorry. I'm, I'm not no, trying no, to. No, it's fine. No, no, it's fine. I just found it funny. I'm not trying to flex. I'm not. So Ernst. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Uh, how would you pronounce this? L L E R V U. L-L-E-R-V-U. Did you come up with this with a random name generator? No, actually. Lervu? Uh, I can't. It's either Lervu or it's like Spanish where it's Yervu. Or you could do it like it's French, like Lele. I would rather take a bullet in my leg. You know, if I asked to understand every, if I, if I, if I was Solomon and I, God gave me an option to do anything, and I said I'd like to understand every human language, I bet you I still wouldn't be able to understand French, which would give me a very like horror story start to a book. Well, not only that, but once you started to comprehend French, then you'd want to die. True enough. True enough. Um, all French people listening to this, um, I know you're not real, and I want to know what you've done with the people you've kidnapped. And go eat your snails, please. The Goths are better. Oh gosh, why do they eat snails? Anyway, um, I don't know. Ernst Yervu why of the Delian Order was an ancient paladin who could swing a mace with the speed of a bolt of lightning, um, and it is said that he split a mountain in half at the behest of the Dawnfather. Balazes, uh, and that is a real name, Balazes of Natua of the Iduin, um, is said to have been the greatest wielder of the lance, um, who could move and stab with it so quick and so strong that she could carve into a mountain with it. Hmm. So you want to know about the first age, and that's what uh, that's what, that's what you can hear. <laughs> that's that's great. It comes from me making like a, a half off because the idea, pure of course, is that um, the first age is supposed to be an incredibly cryptic time that you have in every fantasy. Just so you know. Uh, that is meant to be like, oh, there was high magic, there was uh, stuff like this, and now it's gone to this kind of laissez, boring 
everyday drawl that every fantasy seems to lay itself into. Such as like how Tolkien, uh, the mountains were placed there, not by any kind of natural crust of the earth moving, but by the gods literally throwing them onto the planet, I'm pretty sure. I haven't read the Silmarils, but I'm pretty sure that's how it is, right? That's not inaccurate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were thrown onto the onto the continent. Pretty much, honestly, pretty much. Which is a great way to make a mountain range. <laughs> I think so. I think so. My back is popping. It's probably not good. Anyways, that was... I mean, talking D&D is always fun. I wonder how this will do with the analytics. Gotta be honest. I can never get enough of D&D, especially learning about core stuff. <laughs> you make me angry. Uh, <laughs> you make me write, and that's a bad thing, because I'm already writing. <laughs> Anyways, uh... How did this get from land parties to D and I don't know. That's a great question. How did, how did we go? How did we go from in life story time to in fantasy story time? Probably just where our, our actual passions aligned. Friggin' a still have the sniffles. Still have a headache. Goodness gracious! I hope everyone has a happy new year. We're running up on the uh, on the one hour mark, so we should probably wrap it up. Uh. Are we already? Because we only have an hour of the airwaves. Yeah. Oh my goodness, we are. Around 56 minutes. Yeah. To any viewer who might have noticed the fact that we cut out time, <laughs> this isn't the 56 minute mark. Uh, the recording period is normally about two minutes longer than the actual recording. Because we have to actually wind up getting started and figure out where we're going. It takes a while. Anyways, there's your little behind the scenes nugget. But besides that, uh, I've been Alex. That's been Luke. This has been 1720 Star AM. And uh, if you're hearing this, you probably still haven't fixed your radio, but we'll keep you company until you do. See you later. <laughs>